0: Amen and and my bride and Ryan praise the Lord Amen That's it i <coughs> Well, I don't want to take um I don't want to take too much time here because we don't have much time. Number 1, number 2, I know a lot of us have been uh battling in the heat and things today. Praise the Lord, 6th floor of a non air conditioning building like it's like a castle looking school in Philadelphia. And um no praise the Lord. No. No, no, no. This fit. This feels awesome. I feel. I feel refreshed right now. This air condition just rejuvenates. Uh, Amen. It was a. Uh, it was actually very, uh, very, 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 very hot and humid in that building. But praise the Lord. I got through it. I got home. I got myself a quick nap. And uh, praise God. Amen. No, I still stink. No, yeah. <clears throat> Amen. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you right now that as we are just diving into what you have for us tonight, we ask you, God, that you would help us to see with, the, uh, with our spirit eyes, with the spiritual eyes that you've given to us, with the insight of the Holy Ghost. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you have your way right now. Doesn't matter uh, how great or how vast the congregation is in this place, or how minute doesn't matter who's back in the classrooms. we thank you that this house has been dedicated for your presence, and we thank you, Holy Ghost, that you still continue to have your way. So Lord, even in the back in the classrooms, we thank you that as the kids are back there, that you are touching their hearts. That Lord God, that even though that there there's a a um an atmosphere that the kids may come in with that it's like feeling like it's playtime and stuff, but God, we ask that they would be able to play in Your presence. That God, as they're back there, that that you would just usher Your presence into their hearts. That they would know that they would know who You are and know You personally and more intimately. In Jesus' mighty name. And God, for us, we thank you that you're opening our eyes again to to the understanding of of your word. Amen. Amen. I want to go here in in Judges chapter 6, if you can turn here. And I will, I'm going to read from the NIV version, right? The NI version (laughs) to say politically correct. And I want to talk about something, Uh, you know, in Proverbs, in chapter 16, verse one, it says the preparation of the hearts belong to man. Amen. Part A of Proverbs, chapter 16, the preparations of the heart belong to man. But I'm going to go to Judges, chapter six, Miss Lisa, the uh, preparations of the heart belong to man. So what you and I have a responsibility to do is to prepare our hearts. Amen. So we have to prepare our hearts for whatever God has for us. For whatever he would like to do through us. Whatever God is intending to speak to us. Every time we gather together, we should have an expectation for God to speak to us were to speak through us. Amen? But there's a preparation that we have as the body, as his sons and daughters, as his children, to prepare ourselves and prepare our hearts for whatever he has. So in Judges chapter 6, and this is when Gideon is chosen to lead the army of God, the large number of people that are going to fight against the Midianites and we're going to see what happens here. It's awesome. Awesome. Uh, just faithfulness of God to deliver the people and the faithfulness of God to bring his people out of, uh, bondage once again and, and and bless his, his children. Amen. So in Gideon, um, he has this responsibility given to him. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. This is verse one, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites for seven years. The Midianites were constantly uh battling just going through and, and destroying the people of God. Why? Because they did wrong in the sight of in the sight of the Lord. Amen. They did wrong in his eyes. You can read in the previous chapters, as I don't want to get into it now, what exactly had taken place. But bottom line is, they pulled themselves out of the favor of God because of what they were doing. Amen? So they're out of the ha- favor of God, and God says, you know what? I'm going to allow the armies and everyone that's around you to do whatever they, whatever, whatever they want. They can take your, your things. They can take... Uh, to come through and destroy. God just took the hand of protection off of them. <clears throat> so seven years of constant being uh, destructed, amen, being beat down. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, the Malachites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel. Neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. Everything that the Israelites had, all they were doing was destroying their food Destroying their livestock, destroying uh, everything that was living. Amen? They were destroying it all. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. When the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says, I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I rescued from the hand of the Egyptians, and I delivered you from the hand of your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of Amorites, In whose land you live. But you have not listened to me. They still worship those gods. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in and That belonged to Joash the um, Abizorite. Where his son Gideon was threshing wheat. In a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. Now there is a note that I read about this. Now here is Gideon that's. He's threshing wheat in a wine press. He's trying to conceal what he's growing so that it's not being destroyed. You know, there's a a note talking about uh, Gideon that mentions about how, like, uh, cowardly this was. But how, uh, how the position that he was placing him in and... Hiding what he was, what he was growing. But when you think about it, the what he was doing was was it was brilliant <clears throat> because of the fact that he was able to grow, you know, without the enemy seeing. Now, again, we read that there were so many of these, uh, you know, people groups from all over that spread across the country. But he was yet still able to grow this wheat crop, however large, small it was, in a wine press. But he was able to grow and he was threshing this wheat. <clears throat> so man may see this as a cowardly person that is trying to conceal it all, but how brilliant and wise to be able to do it in a way that, he, that it wasn't destroyed. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. So again, here he is as a person. Again, from, the man, from man's eyes, they see this person in a, in a state that's not being bold. A, a person that's not stepping out and growing their stuff. Not afraid of you know, who's going to come across their land because they're going to defend their land. But here he is being wise, doing what he believes is, is right. But the angel of the Lord calls him a mighty warrior. Man might see this person and his personality, what he's doing, as a weakly person. But God approaches him as a mighty warrior. Now, there could be something else to this. Maybe he was a, a person that was a little more timid or more weak and not a, uh, uh, you know, brass, so to speak, to, to go out and to grow wheat in front of everybody and, hey, come on my land. Maybe he wasn't that person. Maybe he did need this word to come to him to bring confidence to him. Just saying. Another perspective. Pardon me, my Lord Gideon replied. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Great question. Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us the, to, into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But how can I save Israel? my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and i am the least in my family so here part of the perspective and man's perspective is they're the least they're the, the they're, they're like the the weakest of uh, of the clans or the family groups and yet he's the least of them so is, i mean he's probably in this position in his own self that he's feeling Inferior, weak, compared to anybody else that he God could have chosen. <clears throat> yeah, he's yeah, he's like in that 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 worst place to be from a person. You know, when somebody is in in the inner city and they uh, are in that place where it's poverty stricken. You know, for them to be in that place, there's a mindset that they may get. Now, I was in a place like that today, and when you see the poverty all around, it's amazing. And for somebody in that place to be pulled out, to be plucked out of that group or that area, and for God to say, you know what, you're my strong warrior, and I've chosen you. Well, how'd you choose me? What about all the other... Areas where there's strong people, where there's people that have, you know, there's no lack. There's no, you know, they have everything they have need, you know, need of. They're probably wiser. They've educated and all this. But what God chose was something totally different than what man could, you know, comprehend or choose to pull out. The Lord answered, I will be with you and I will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive in verse 16. Verse seventeen, Gideon replied, "If now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that is re- that that it is really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you." And the Lord said, "I will wait until you return." Gideon went inside, prepared a young goat, and from an um, an ephah a flour he made breast, uh, bread with without yeast, putting the meat in a basket and it's broth in a pot. He brought them out and offered them to him under the Oak. The angel of God said to him, take the meat and the unleavened bread, place them on this rock and pour out the broth. And Gideon did so. Now I want to say something. I read that part of that verse from Proverbs chapter 16, the preparations, of the heart belong to man. Amen. Here's Gideon and he's preparing himself. And we see this as like he wants to test and see if this is God really speaking to him. But what he did was he was placing himself in a position to receive the anointing of God. Amen. Now, God spoke it and said, hey, I've chosen you. You're going to be the man. And now he's in a place that he's giving a sacrifice to God. He's putting his heart in a position to to hear from him, to truly hear from. Him. Okay, I, I see this you know this person uh, you know under this oak tree and they're speaking to me, but I want to really know who this person is. So he's prepare, preparing a sacrifice for the for the Lord, but in doing so, what he's doing is he's getting his heart in position. To truly get to hear him. To truly hear what he has to say. So again, I'm going back to the preparations of the heart belong to man. How do we prepare our hearts? Again, we need to be prepared for whenever we're gathered together, wherever we go. We have to be prepared. Our hearts have to be prepared for whatever God wants to do through us or speaking to us. Our hearts need to be prepared. How do we do that? We have to sacrifice time. And and this day, this is the number one thing that we all have to do is sacrifice time. We have to sacrifice time to get into his word. Sacrifice time to get into prayer and worship. It's such a difficult time now because there's so many things that are dictating and demanding our time, our efforts. But yet what God is wanting is for us to set that, sacrifice that time. Pastor always says, prioritize it, prioritize it, prioritize that time. But God wants us to Set that time aside so that we can prepare our hearts. If we're not preparing our hearts, we're not going to clearly hear him speaking. We're not going to clearly know when God is really telling us, hey, go. I need you to speak to this person. I need you to. uh, I'm sending you. If we're not preparing our hearts, all we're hearing is the the demands of life and everything else dictating to us. We, we need this, you need this, you need this, you need this, you need this. So we're going, 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 going. And there's no time to hear God and go for God. Amen. <clears throat> Verse 20, the angel of God said to him, take the meat and the unleavened bread, place them on this rock and pour out the broth. And Gideon did so. Then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread with the tip of the staff That was in his hand fire flared from the rock consuming the meat and the bread and the angel of the Lord disappeared. When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, alas, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord uh, uh, face to face. But the Lord said to him, peace, do not be afraid. You are not going to die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it. The Lord is peace. To this day, it stands in Ophrah of the Abysserites. That same night, the Lord said to him, Take the second bull from your father's herd. And he gives him directions and goes on and on. I want to come down here. You can continue and you could finish that chapter. Go to chapter 7, please. Early in the morning... Jeroboam, that is Gideon, and all his men camped at the spring of Herod. The camp of Midian was north of them, in the valley near the hill of Morah. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. Okay, let's paint a picture here. Of all the Midianites and all the other group groups out there, There was a hundred and, I believe, 20-some thousand people that were encamped throughout the people of Israel. Now, Gideon, with all the men that camped at the spring of Herod, there was 32,000 people. 32,000 compared to a hundred and... Some thousand people, 120,000 people. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. Again, in man's sight, 120, 32,000. I think we're kind of like outnumbered here, God. What are you talking about? And it gets better. You have too many men? I cannot deliver Midian into their hands. And I love this. Or Israel would boast against me. Okay, how do people boast against God? When people are able to do something in their own strength and able to do it without any sense of God's help. They're going to be boasting in themselves, boasting in what they did, how they did it. How clever they were! The strength that they did it. Uh, how they were able to, you know, overcome the armies and everything, or whatever it is. How I did things at work and I was able to do it, you know, so good and I did it, you know, so quickly and I did this and I did that. We, if we're boasting in ourselves, there's a problem and there's an issue. Amen. And what part of the preparation of our hearts does is get us into a place? to be able to receive from God, but it puts us in a place of humility. Amen? It puts us in a place of humility. Verse 3, Now announce to the army, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left, while 10,000 remained. 10,000. Now, if you're that 10,000 and you're sitting there and you see over, you know, two thirds leaving and you're standing around like, okay, all right, we got this, you know, with that, with that, having still that heart and that attitude of we're not fearful. And then all of a sudden two thirds of the whole army go away and you know what you're fighting against. In verse 4, but the Lord said to Gideon, there are still too many men. Take them down to the water and I will thin them out for you there. If I say this one shall go with you, he shall go. But if I say this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. So Gideon took the men down to the water. There the Lord told him, separate those who lap the water with their tongues as dog laps from those who kneel down to drink. Now, there's a difference when we think about kneeling down to drink. doesn't mean just getting on your knees. You know, there's you could talk about different descriptions, but the whole point of what I want to bring out is what God is saying, those that kneel down to their knees to drink, that's a posture that they're putting themselves in. You know, you can bend down and go on your knee and scoop the water, and you could be like what... God was looking for is for the ones that lap out of their water, that they cup it with their hands and are keeping their eyes in position to still be able to see, as compared to the ones with the posture that kneel down and their faces are down face down towards the waters. But there was something that God was getting Gideon to see is that the ones that have their eyes open, open to see. Keeping watch around, preparation of the of man's heart. When we're listening, there's a preparation that happens when somebody like what God is pulling out and showing Gideon. This is the the men that I want to, you to keep with you. There's something about them. There's ten thousand here that are ready to fight the warriors. Doesn't matter, you know. Staying alive or dying, we're going into battle and we're going to do the best that we can to win. They're all warriors, but there's 300 that stand out because of the posture that they put themselves in. And that's keeping watch around them. A very important trait that God wanted and was pointing out to Gideon. How important is it for us to... Not only have our hearts prepared for whatever God wants to do through us, do to us, but also keeping a preparation in this is that as we're prepared, our eyes are watching around. We're keeping our eyes open for God, for the enemy, but we're staying alert, staying alert. Men. the Lord said to Gideon, with the, the 300 men that lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. Let all the others go home. So Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites home, but kept the 300 who took over the provisions and trumpets of the others. So There's 32,000 people that were there. Down to 300, and those 300 are now handling all the provisions, the trumpets, everything of those people that had gone home. Amen? Because they were all camped, camped out together in, in that place, but God separated. Okay? 22,000 gone. Now you have 9,700 more gone. <clears throat> Now the camp Midian lay below him in the valley. During that night, the Lord said to Gideon, Get up, go down against the camp, because I am going to give it into your hands. If you are afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant Purah and listen to what they are saying. Afterward, you will be encouraged to attack the camp. To attack the camp. So he and Purah... His servant went down to the outposts of the camp. The Midianites, the Amalekites, and all the other eastern peoples had settled in the valley, thick as locusts. Their camels could no more be counted than the sand on the seashore. Gideon arrived just as a man was telling a friend his dream. I had a dream, he was saying. A round loaf of barley bread came tumbling into Midianite camp. It struck the tent with such force that the tent overturned and collapsed. Now, this is amazing because here is one of the enemies that has a dream, right? He has a dream of what is about to happen. Now, again, to somebody that is not following after God, not, you know, trust, believing that God exists or anything, but has this dream and now doesn't take, you know, take it to heart, but just, yeah, I had a dream. There was this like round loaf, you know, barley loaf that just came rolling down the hill and struck us with such force that knocked us all out. Isn't that funny? (laughs) But there's something in his spirit that was knowing something was up, that his spirit was responding in in picture form while he was sleeping. Amen, how powerful are dreams? Come on. Gideon arrived just as the man was telling a friend that dream in verse fourteen, his friend responded. This can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite. God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hands. Look at his friend's response. Now, how is this all happening that this dude has a dream and his friend is interpreting what the dream was? So, and he knew it was Gideon. How about that? How is it that God is using these two that don't even believe him to speak in conversation about this goofy dream that my buddy had. But yet I know deep on the inside what that must be. God was using that to give strength and give heart and to speak. And again, here's Gideon that is coming from the weakest clan and the least of these is he. But yet, through the process, God has still given him courage, given him strength. Oh, you see all these people and all the camels that we can't even count how many there are? There's only 300 of you, But this is the, this is the 300 that will be with you. 301 that will go in and I will give the Midianites and all those others into your hands. When Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed down and worshipped. He returned to the camp of Israel and called out, Get up! The Lord has given the Midianite camp into your hands. Divide the 300 men into three companies. He placed trumpets and empty jars in the hands of all of them with torches inside. Watch me, he told them. Follow my lead when I get to the edge of the camp. Do exactly as I do. When, when I and all who are with me... Blow our trumpets. Then from all around the camp, blow yours and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. Gideon and a hundred men with him reached the edge of the camp at, at the beginning of the middle watch, just after they had changed their guard. They blew their trumpets and broke the jars that were uh, in their hands. The three companies blew the, sh- the trumpets and smashed the jars, grasping the torches in their left hands and holding the right hands, the trumpets they were uh, they were to blow. They shouted, a, "A sword for the Lord and for Gideon!" While each man held his position around the camp, all the Midianites ran, crying as loud, uh, crying out as as they fled. When the three hundred trumpets sounded, the Lord caused the men throughout the camp to turn on each other with their swords. The army fled to Beth uh, Shatah, toward Zerah as far as the border of Abel, Mahola, near Tabath. Israelites from Naphtali, Asher, and Manasseh were called out and they pursued the Midianites. Gideon sent messengers throughout the hill country of Ephraim saying, come down against the Midianites and seize the waters of the Jordan ahead of them as far as Be- uh, Beth So all the men of Ephraim were called out and they seized the waters of, Jord- of Jordan as far as Beth They also captured two of the Midianite leaders, uh, Oreb and Zeb. They killed Oreb and the rock, uh, at the rock of Oreb and Zeb the, at the wine press of Zeb. They pursued the Midianites and brought the heads of Oreb and Zeb to Gideon, who was by the Jordan. So God did such an awesome, awesome, awesome deliverance of Israel. Amen? For Israel. But what's the purpose of this? And what's God saying to us tonight? That we need to get into that place, preparing our hearts. Trusting him. We're doing too much stuff in our strength and leaving God out. Amen. And we need to allow God to take us into places that we can't do things in our own strength. It's not places that we're going to be so worn out and so tired and exhausted and we can't go on anymore. No, we need to get ourselves positioned. Positioned in a place that we can allow God to move on our behalf. Amen. Amen. God's saying, prepare our hearts. And he's saying, keep your eyes in a watchful position for all around. Why? Because the enemy wants to come. He wants to kill, steal, destroy. If our eyes aren't watching what's happening, Around us, around our family members, around our loved ones, our workplace. If our eyes aren't open, we're not going to see what's going on. But our hearts need to be prepared so that we can see what's going. If our hearts are prepared and our eyes are in position, then we can see and we can trust the Lord, follow His voice, and allow Him to move. Amen? Why? Because God wants, bottom line, God is so jealous for us and jealous for our passion and our love that he wants to move on our behalf. But he wants us to position ourselves so that our hearts are in that place of God. Everything I do, every place I go, I just yield it into your control. And Lord, I put my trust in you. Why? It's a worship to him. That's an act of worship. It's an act of worship when we're putting ourselves in that position of trusting him. Because the worship is, God, I believe you you exist. I believe your word, and I believe that you are going to move on my behalf and that you're in full control. It's honoring him and worshiping him. What was the problem with the Israelites at that time before God had delivered them? They were worshiping other idols. God's a jealous God. Amen? Do we want to see breakthroughs? I think we have to evaluate the preparations or lack thereof and really evaluate our eyes, our sight. Are we aware of the things that are going on around us? There seems to be so much fighting and bickering and all kinds of th- things between uh, friends, between family members. And I hear it even in the workplace. There's so much going on and there's so much uh, fighting and things going on. It's like, wow. You know, the, like w- w- the word says about how the love of of many will wax cold. The love. And what happens when love waxes cold? then there's a lot of fighting, a lot of hatred, a lot of bitterness, and a lot of things that go on that they become to that place of there's fighting and wars and all kinds of things that go on between countries. and all. Now, God ultimately wants peace, and we know that there's going to be wars among nations, but in the end times, the love of many is going to wax cold. We need to really see what's happening around us. Prayer helps our eyes to be able to see the things going on. So there's a preparation of our heart. Prayer that needs to happen so we can begin to see situations and see things going on around us. So then we're in that place. The hearts are prepared. Eyes are positioned. Now, God, we ask you to move. Amen. Amen. I know you're itching. What do you have? Okay. Elena? What do you have, dear? Okay. That's fine.
1: So, when uh, we were reading about um, Gideon's army and God began separating, separating them out, the Lord reminded me of another. Um, time when jesus gave us an example of this separation that we see between now all of those men were like he said they were skilled they were probably strong powerful brave you know they were ready to die for the cause but god still separated them out there was still a reason and the lord reminded me of this and took me to matthew 25 Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, thoughtless, without forethought, and five were wise, sensible, intelligent, prudent. For when the foolish took their lamps, they did not take any extra oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil along with them also with their lamps. While the bridegroom lingered and was slow in coming, they all began nodding their heads and they fell asleep. And then I instantly think of the disciples that were with Jesus just before his time, who also fell asleep. And he, what did he tell them? To pray, watch and pray, pray. I need you, watch and pray. Something to be said about us being alert, about us staying staying in the fight, not allowing ourselves to get so... You know, we're going we're gonna to feel sluggish physically, okay? You're going to have... We, we have this earth suit until... We have a glorified body, so we have to deal with it, right? We're going to feel tired. We're going to feel sluggish. But he wants us to push through. Amen? Push through. Push through. Not, not just easily giving into our flesh, but really trying to dig in deep to our spirit, man, and allow the spirit of God to equip us, to empower us, to help us to stay in the fight at that time. If it's time to pray, we need to pray. Amen? And, and not, Amen. not fall asleep whether it's physically or spiritually. So, all right, so these, uh, the virgins are, are falling asleep. But at midnight there was a shout, and behold the, bride, behold, behold, the bridegroom, go out to meet him. Then all those virgins got up and put their lamps in order. And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, there will not be enough for us and for you. Go instead to the dealers and buy for yourselves. Now, we're going to see this in just a second. But while they were going away to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were prepared, they were prepared. There was a preparation that they had already done. Amen? Those who were prepared went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Okay? So those who were prepared. Yes, they they were falling asleep too. But they had already put in the time and the preparation, and they knew that at the split second that when he comes, we're ready to go. There's nothing that we have to do. Amen. Amen. So obviously, now, we know most of this story, but later the other virgins also came. The Lord, uh, they said, Lord, Lord, open the door to us. And he replied, I solemnly declare to you, I do not know you. I'm not acquainted with you, intimate with you. Watch, therefore, here's, here's the, this is the charge he gave them. Watch, therefore, give strict attention and be cautious and active. Just like those, just like Gideon's army, the ones who were still looking as they're drinking. They were, they were active. They're cautious for, you know, neither the day nor the hour when the son of man will come. Amen. For it is like a man. He goes on. There's another one who takes a journey. And, and this one, too, it's, it's about the preparation and the willingness to be ready to go just like that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Amen.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, all, often when we're reading these passages, we're always, you know, we, it's easy to just think of when the, it's the Lord's return. But if we're not preparing ourselves if every day, who's say what's, you know, the the day that we, you know, that we, uh, yet yeah, just we we just don't have a day of preparation and stuff, and all of a sudden the Lord comes. Well, the Lord knows our hearts. Well, what about those virgins that kept themselves pure and everything else, but yet still weren't prepared? Now God, we know that God can decipher and knows the hearts of the people, but. I really don't even want to give it a chance if it's only one day that takes for when God returns. Because what if it's that one day that I was in that place of sin where God's looking for the pure and spotless to take with him? Amen.
1: Honestly, I think it was God's mercy that he reduced Gideon's army down to what he did. Because had they went in in their own strength, there probably would have been thousands that could have been slaughtered. That number means
0: the spirit of God him, mm-hmm. And I was
1: thinking in the like in state we have to have the anointing, like the operating in the anointing and not in our own you know, ability. Three we know is is Trinity or completion. Mm-hmm. So I mean God, yeah, he had he knew what he was doing. Amen. <laughs> that was interesting. I looked up the
0: best yeah. part. So.
1: significant yeah, yeah. yeah. cuz god god never does anything by accident if if you look in um ephesians chapter 5 um let's see where exactly i want to start here mm, Nope. all right let's really um, I'm going to go up to um, chapter five, verse six. Let no one delude and deceive you with empty excuses and groundless arguments for these sins. For through these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of rebellion and disobedience. You know, we can make all the excuses we want. And we can allow a lot of things to dictate to us what our time how our time is spent, what our schedule looks like. We can let the world tell us, oh, you have to do this and you have to do that. Or we can do it. We can do what God says. Don't, you know, I think it's very easy to be sucked in to the way that society does things. And because we're in this world, we are, we're in it, but we don't have to be of it. So part of us, at times, has to rebel against the norm. Um, do not. Uh, verse seven says, "So do not associate or be sharers with them, for once you were in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light." Um, and actually, skip down. Um, verse eleven. Take no part in and have no fellowship with the fruitless deeds and enterprises of darkness, but instead let your lives be so in contrast contrast to that as to expose and reprove and convict them. So see, we don't have to be like them, doing things the way that everybody else does them, even the way we spend our time. No, our life is supposed to expose what they're doing wrong. And, and the, the way that if we're doing it God's way, that's the way, that's the right way. Amen. If we're taking out time to be at services when other people are, you know, celebrating holidays or whatever it might be. And no, we're here for prayer. or We're here for that's us. That's us showing, hey, no, this is the way. Every time you get up and you leave your house for services on Wednesday or Sunday or special meetings, your your family or your neighbors that see you going and know what you're doing might be thinking, what are they doing? That's ridiculous. What are they doing? But you are setting the example. No, this is what you should be doing too. If God calls us to be here, we should be here. Um, Amen. Uh, Okay. For it is a shame even to speak or mention of things that such people practice in secret. But when anything is exposed and reproved by the light is made visible and clear. Um, And where everything is visible and clear, there is light. Therefore, he says, awake, O sleeper and arise from the dead and Christ shall shine upon you and give you light. Look carefully then how you walk. See, here's this being prepared, being uh, alert and, and ready. Look carefully then how you walk. Live purposefully and worthily and accurately, not as the unwise, just, just like the, the virgins who were foolish, and witless, but as wise, sensible, intelligent people. Those are the same words that were used with the, with the wise virgins. Sensible. Intelligent, making the very most of the time, buying up each opportunity. This is the message, buying up each opportunity of time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be vague and thoughtless and foolish, but understanding and firmly grasping what the will of the Lord is. What is his will? Redeem the time, making every opportunity to to do things that he wants us to do. Amen. Spending time with him. Um. Also in Ephesians, if you go to, uh, let me see. All right, so it's chapter, it's six. chapter 6, verse 18. And, uh, Paul admonishes us again pray at all times. Here's prayer again. On every occasion, in every season, in the Spirit, with all manner of prayer and entreaty. To that end, keep alert and watch with strong purpose and perseverance, interceding in behalf of all the saints. I mean, of course, i also pray for him, right? And he goes on to tell them, but be watchful, be alert, be praying. Amen. Looking, watching for what God's about to do, being prepared for whatever he has for us. And it's easier said than done, right? It's easier to say, okay, yeah, we have got to be prepared and we've got to, you know, stay alert. Just like with the disciples, it was easy for Jesus to keep telling them, you know, stay alert, stay alert. It was hard for them to stay alert. They were tired. Amen. But it's, it's in there for a reason. Their, their story is in there to show us, hey, this is what you don't want to do. When, it, when it's time to watch and pray, when it's time to be alert, when it's time to keep your eyes up and not down, when it's time to, to go into his presence, when you feel him you know, wooing you, pulling you. It's time to pray. It's time to get alone with the Lord. I need to get in his word. We need to do it. We need to respond. Amen. And not put it off, not say, well, I'll do that later. Um, you know, one thing that, um, recently, you know, keeps coming back up. The Lord keeps reminding, I know me, probably both of us, but, um, is that, you know, we kind of got away from our family devotion time. We used to do it, All of us, you know, together, all five of us, we kind of got away from it. Why? Because life is busy. And when you try to do it with young kids, it's not fun (laughs) because it's hard to get them to sit still and listen even for a few minutes. And sometimes it's frustrating. So you think, oh, it's just easier if we just do it on our own and, you know, not as a family. But it's important. It's important. It is, it is that example that's being set. That's how they learn. They have to be taught to do it. If we don't teach them how to have those devotions, they're not going to learn. Right? If we don't make the effort to say, you know what? I'm going to make sure that we're praying together or that I'm getting together with others and I'm praying or that I'm getting my devotional time or I'm seeking him in prayer in English and in the spirit. And I'm setting aside that time. If we don't make the effort and and the commitment to do it, it's not going to get done. You know, I I will always remember about Joan that she was so dedicated and so faithful to prayer. There wasn't anything that took her away from her, her time with the Lord, her prayer time. And uh, every time I think about it, I think, man, she put us all to shame. You know, but... But it was, it was something that was so important to her and she made an, she made, it was, it was a discipline, but she, she made it happen and she was a busy person. She worked like we all do. She had family, but on her days off, I, I know because I remember all the times she talked about, you know, her, not that she was boasting of her time, but just in conversation, she would. You know, close herself off, and you think of the, the movie um, about the woman in the prayer closet, yeah. war room, that was Joan. It was, that was Joan. That was Joan closing herself off with her, her maps and her prayers and her scriptures, and she would just just spend that time in the, in, with the Lord. And you know what? He showed her things, intimate things, you know, prophetic things. He, he showed her things that no one else spoke of, but she had a sensing. And there were times when she could look at us, different ones, and she already knew what was going on. Why? Not because she was some like you know weirdo, but because she spent time in prayer. And the Lord began to put things on her heart for different ones. See, God can speak to us. He can move through us. He can get our attention if we're alert, if we're watching, if we're looking, if we're saying, you know what, I'm going to position myself to get. download from him. I'm going to position myself for him to speak. I'm going to be that one. That's not going to fall asleep. That's not going to, not that we don't sleep, but if he, but we're alert in the fact that he can get our attention. He can speak to us through dreams. He can speak to us through visions. He can, you know, just whisper over us in the middle of the night. And it's like, I hear you. I hear you. You know, like uh, Samuel, I hear you, Lord, you know, if, if we haven't heard his voice in a while, we need to start positioning ourselves again. Because I think if we haven't heard him speak in a while or his word isn't speaking to us, maybe we have moved ourselves out of position. Right? Maybe we, we need to get back into that place to say, okay, Lord, here am I. Your servant hears. What is it that you want to speak to me? And then we're praying and we're, we're expecting him to move. And, you know, he might not do it the first time or the second time because he wants to see that we're really going to keep going after him. Amen. Faithfulness is important to God. Amen. But he is more faithful. So if we're diligent, amen, if we're diligent to keep pursuing time with him, And maybe it is only five minutes or ten minutes. But you know what? Pursue that time with him. Be watchful. Amen? Because I don't know about you, but I haven't reached my full potential in him. And I don't think any of us really ever will. Maybe one day. (laughs) But on earth. But we need to keep pushing in. Amen. Amen. Keep diving in. There, there are still mysteries for us to unfold. There are still um, precious things that he wants to give us, impart to us, show us, and, and direct us to do. But it won't happen unless we're like those virgins and we're ready. Amen. Amen. We're ready to go, and we're watching for him.
0: Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's stand. Thank you, Lord. That was so good, Lane. <clears throat> thank, you. thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Holy Ghost, that you're speaking to us right now and that, that you are and giving us